When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. And now you've got Kajula looking for the activating nurse. He's got him to win it. Nurse shoots and scores! Riley takes the snap, settles into the pocket. He's got some time. Now he's going deep, looking down the sidelines. Oh, what a catch! And that's going to be a touchdown all the way to the end zone for Darrell Walker. An absolute bomb. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Greetings, citizens of Earth. I was hoping to start the show with this lovely piece of audio. Here's Johnny. Well, we can't do that. But since I took the five seconds to record it off YouTube, I wanted to play it anyway. We will not have a Here's Johnny Saturday night at Commonwealth Stadium when your Edmonton Eskimos host the Montreal Alouettes. By the way, it's on 6.30, Chad. 5.30 countdown to kickoff. The game will start at 7. Johnny Manziel out with the head injury, he will not play against the Edmonton Eskimos. So uh, there you go. After a couple of games with the Owls, he sits out. Uh, not a good debut. It looked a lot better on Saturday against the Ottawa Red Blacks. But will not play against the Edmonton Eskimos. So here's the name to know, everybody. I will give you a second to get out your notepads. A young man by the name of Antonio Pipkin. Antonio Pipkin will play quarterback for the Montreal Alouettes. His career stats in the CFL, these were accumulated last season. And I use the term accumulated loosely. Antonio Pipkin in his career, two completions on nine passing attempts for 14 yards. He was let go by the Owls earlier this year. He was brought back onto the practice roster on August 6th. So he'll have about two weeks of prep for the game. Well, you won't really have that much because they didn't think before this week he'd be starting. Antonio Pipkin will play quarterback for the Montreal Alouettes. He is 2-for-9 for 14 yards in his career. Uh, Mike Riley, who will start at quarterback for the Eskimos, has many, many more yards in his career in this season, in the last game, even on the last drive of the last game against the BC Lions. Uh, Obviously, Edmonton will be heavily favored in this game, even more so with Antonio Pipkin at quarterback. Uh, What else can I tell you about him? He went to Tiffin. That was his college in the United States. Pipkin from Tiffin. Well, started quarterback for the else. That's all you have to know going into the game. Pipkin from Tiffin. Sort of rhymes. Easy to remember. So there we go. More on the CFL and the Eskimos as we move along tonight. Hey, thanks for tuning in, everybody. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630 Chet. I want to thank Brendan Ulrich, Morley Scott, and Dave Campbell 
who filled in for me over the last four shows as I had some time off. It was great to do some family stuff. I had a cousin who got married on uh, Saturday, so congratulations to Bo and Val. Really lovely ceremony, lovely day out near Vilna. Uh, by the way, Vilna is the inside sports community of the evening. So as I had these uh, days off, I had one common question that was asked of me, both through uh, friends texting me or uh, people I was talking to. And that question, <laughs> well, I'm, I'm not laughing at what happened because it's, uh, it's, it's quite bad what happened. Uh, questions about Andre Secker, Edmonton Oilers defenseman, who, of course, uh, suffered the Achilles tendon tear while doing some off-season training. He is out indefinitely. I, I, would, I would think, judging by how this injury has gone for other athletes in the past, we will not see him before February, and I, I'm probably being a little optimistic with that return date. But anyway, uh, Andre Secker is out, so a lot of the questions I got were, well, what does this mean for the Oilers? Can the Oilers deal with this? Uh, how bad is this for the Oilers? Uh, well, my goodness, everybody, it's pretty bad, isn't it? I mean... I mean, what what else can we? We were we were talking about this one of the either the last or second last show I was doing before I took my break. That you know every team is susceptible to injuries, and some players just aren't easily replaced. You know, it's like when people say, "Well, if Connor McDavid goes down, what are the Oilers going to do?" You know what? They won't score as much, and they won't be as good. Well, what are the Oilers going to do with a, a, a an injured? What are the Oilers going to do without Andre Sekra? They won't move the puck as well, and they won't get it out of their own end as well. We saw the difference from the playoff season to last year. What uh, what a difference Sekra made, not only when he was in the lineup, but when he was healthy. In 16-17, he plays 80 games. He gets 35 points. He plays 21 and a half minutes per night. Last year, he plays 36 games. He does not score a goal. He gets eight assists, and his ice time is cut down by uh, five minutes a game, down to 16 minutes and 20 seconds. This this is a big, big blow for the Oilers. Now, if Sekra still wasn't healthy from the torn ACL, then uh, okay, then maybe you're dealing with the same situation with his ice time being reduced and maybe another defenseman steps up. But I would still sooner have uh, a limited Andre Sekra in the lineup than a guy who hasn't played a lot of NHL games who, or who has traditionally been a fifth or sixth defenseman in the NHL. So there's, uh, there's no way to sugarcoat this one, everybody. It sucks and it ain't good. I gotta, I'm going to tell you a bit about my Uncle Rob here. My Uncle Rob lives in Mississauga, Ontario. If, uh, if, 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 if Here's the thing. Missis, if Mississauga were in Saskatchewan, it would be the largest city in Saskatchewan by about four times. Over 800 people, 800,000 people in Mississauga, it's, uh, but obviously connected to Toronto, so everybody often just refers to it as part of Toronto. It's its own city there. Uh, so my Uncle Rob is a huge Toronto Maple Leafs fan. I get a text from him. He goes, how big of a loss is Secra to the Oilers? I wrote back, very. It's like, thanks, Uncle Rob. He writes back, bummer, my dream is to have the Oilers versus the Leafs in the cup final. Keep the cup in Canada. I didn't reply to that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say something here about my Uncle Rob. He's lying. His dream isn't to have the Oilers and the Leafs in the cup final. His dream is to have the Leafs in the Stanley Cup final and for the Leafs to win. 
He doesn't care who they play. He doesn't care if it's another Canadian team. All right? Just sorry, Uncle Rob, but I'm calling you out on that one. Uh, but but you know what? <laughs> you know, you know I, I will say this to go off on a little bit of an aside here. And uh, by the way, if you want to jump in, you can text 63630, the phone number 780-496-0063. This summer, the big story in the NHL, all about the Toronto Maple Leafs. They signed John Tavares. So now they got Matthews. They got Tavares. They got Kadri down the middle. They got Nylander. They got Marner. They got got a good team. They got a good team. They had good goaltending. They they got a good team. There will be people picking the Toronto Maple Leafs to win the Stanley Cup. And they might do it. I think we... we uh, Look, I know there were some years the Leafs went to the conference final. Uh, what, but, well, way, way, way back in 1993, I certainly remember that. They uh, lost to Wayne Gretzky and the LA Kings in Game 7 in the third round. Uh, I know they, what, they played Carolina that one. They, they've had some good teams. They've had some dangerous teams. This is going to be their best off-season predictions ever. This is this is going to be the first time the the Leafs are going to be picked by a lot of people to win the Stanley Cup and a, a lot of uh, other neutral people or neutral observers or, or even fans of other team will look at and say, well, you know what? That's not a bad pick. So what are we going to do about it? Rest of the country? <laughs> Rest of... The- Non-Leafs nation. That, that, that's probably that, in Toronto. That's probably how they refer to the rest of the country. Non-Leafs nation. They don't break it down by province or anything like that. They just say non-Leafs nation. So what are we going to do about this? Well, two two things are going to happen, everybody. And I figure here's how we can spin it to keep ourselves sane. Well, the first part actually will automatically be sane because we've seen it happen all the time. The Leafs will uh, pull an Oilers and have all this uh, preseason hype and expectations, and uh, they won't be able to handle it, and they'll do poorly and maybe even miss the playoffs. Do I think that's likely? Well, of course not, but it's a possibility. There are always two or three teams that have a lot of expectation and are supposed to be in the playoffs and drop off. Maybe that's going to be Toronto. Uh, And, of course, the the subsector to this is that they they have a good team, make the playoffs, and and, and don't win the Stanley Cup, in which case non-Leafs nation can deal with that. Because uh, for anybody over the age of, what are we at now? Or, pardon me, under the age of 50, that's all you have ever seen is the Leafs not winning the Stanley Cup. In which case, my Uncle Rob will text me and be like, they had Tavares, what could, what happened? I'll be like, I don't, I don't know. I'll be like, I don't know, Uncle Rob. Call, call Doug Ford. I'm sure he'll have the answers. That's what I'll say to Uncle Rob. The, the, the other thing that'll happen is the, the Toronto Maple Leafs actually will win the Stanley Cup. Now, how are we going to deal with that? Well, it's simple. We just say, well, of course, you guys signed Tavares. How could you not win? So we'll just have to do our best to downplay it. Anyway, that's my little aside about, uh, about dealing with my Uncle Rob and his Leafs mania. Like, just, just what I need during my holidays. A Leafs fan texting me about Oilers injuries. Thank you, Uncle Rob. My bum, my, here's what he writes. My dream is to have the Oilers versus the Leafs in the cup final. Keep the cup in Canada. That's not his dream. His, his dream is to have the Leafs win the Stanley Cup. 
Uncle Rob would not be flying out to Edmonton for the Oilers parade if they win the Stanley Cup in 2019 or at any point in the future. Anyway, it is 6-17. No Johnny Manziel on Saturday for the Montreal Alouettes. We'll talk more football as we go along tonight. Oh, this is going to be great coming up later in the show. Edmonton's Plouffe sisters will be in studio. Michelle and Catherine, uh, great basketball players. They've been on the Canadian women's team for several years. They have their big camp coming up. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Up this weekend, so we're going to be joined by them. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. J.C. Sheriff set to play career CFL game number 100 on Saturday against the Montreal Alouettes. One of his former mates on defense for the Edmonton Eskimos, Kenny Ladler, playing tonight in NFL preseason for the Washington Redskins. They lead the New York Jets 6-0 with about four and a half minutes left in the first quarter. Again, no Johnny Manziel on Saturday for the Eskimos. You can expect on defense, Christoph Malumba shamenga to return, Adam Konar to return at linebacker. They'll uh, likely flip the ratio a little bit, put Bryant Mitchell in at receiver. That means either Either Bahar or AJ uh, or AJ will have to come out and play a little bit less. Uh, we'll keep an eye on that uh, once the depth chart comes out tomorrow. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio, 630 Ched. So Eskimos coming up. Montreal, 5.30 for the pregame show on Saturday. The game will start at 7. Uh, I know the CFL put out a statement, basically uh, wait and see about the, the smoky conditions here yeah, well, I mean, not just in Edmonton, but throughout BC and Alberta with the, the fires raging in BC. Uh, not as nearly, well, I didn't find it anyway, nearly as smoky today as it was yesterday. Hopefully it continues to clear up. I know there are some fears that it'll get bad again tomorrow. And uh, obviously it could affect the football game, will certainly affect uh, the players and the fans going. And uh, as I was talking about on the afternoon news, the Edmonton Marathon is Sunday morning. I'm running the half marathon. So uh, hopefully it clears up for that. We're going to have John Stanton on from the running room tomorrow night to preview the marathon. And we'll, we'll talk about the smoky conditions with him. I'm pleased to welcome to Inside Sports a former CFL receiver. He's now the CEO of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Mike Morreale checking in tonight. Mike, you're on with Reed. How are you doing, sir? I'm good, Reed. How are you doing? I'm doing very well. It's uh, awesome to have you on the show. I've been looking forward to doing this interview. You just heard me talking about the smoke, and I'm sure uh, you've been following that. And uh, you know, you 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 played in this league in this crazy country. Uh, is there a game that stands out to you because of some sort of weather or environmental conditions? Oh, funny you say that. You know, coming from Hamilton, this might not be any any surprise, but we played uh, the day after the Plastamet fire here in uh, the Flamborough area, which was the biggest tire fire, I think, in Ontario at the very least, which you can imagine uh, was uh, not uh, very health uh, conscious of us to go out on the field and, and play a football game with, uh, you know, soot and everything else hanging over our head. But I chalk that up to uh, only in the CFL. Uh, one day somebody will write a book and there'll be a lot of those stories. 
Well, I, I want, I'm, I'm glad you brought that up because we get a lot of incredible stories about playing in snow or even before we got a little bit more aware of the weather, playing and practicing with, with lightning overhead, which certainly wouldn't be done anymore. Like, Did you have difficulty breathing in that game, Mike, or were you just kind of filthy as you were playing? Yeah. Well, it was it was one of those things that it was definitely you know soot in the air. It was it was not uh, not a, a really good situation to play in, and you know that would have been probably mid nineties, probably around ninety seven actually. So at that time, I don't think the league was in the same type of position it is now, where I think they would have made some uh, you know better decisions about whether or not to put on a game with some of those health concerns. So certainly this time around for, for you guys out in Edmonton and BC, it's a, it, it's probably a little bit more meaningful, uh, you know, just based on the fact of, of, uh, you know, what's going on and in the fires and, and the hopes that everybody's safe, really, that, that comes to mind more than anything. Uh, but keeping not only the, the players safe, but keeping the fans safe, so important. Mike, uh, I mentioned it coming back after the news there. Uh, the, the big story affecting this game has turned into who won't play because Johnny Manziel's not going to be able to go uh, after getting a head injury there against Ottawa on Saturday. You know, you, you in your career, and I'm sure people remember, you went Toronto-Hamilton, Toronto-Hamilton. In 96, you, you were fortunate enough to win the Grey Cup uh, with Toronto, actually uh, over over Edmonton in the snow in Hamilton, but but Doug Flutie was was an Argo. Now he'd already played in the league for a while with BC and Calgary, and uh, after that stint with Toronto, he would uh, he would go on to back to the National Football League and always speak highly uh, of his time in the CFL. You know, when Manziel came up, a lot of people, including me, said, "Hey, who knows? Maybe maybe he can capture it like Flutie, not just on the field, but but with his attitude and approach to playing in Canada as well." Just what. What are your your some of your memories about uh, you know playing with Flutie and, and certainly his playmaking, but uh, maybe just how he conducted himself off the field and sort of became a uh, an ambassador for the CFL? Yeah, I would say that you know Doug was a, just an unbelievable athlete. I think by far the best you know player I played with, and I've played you know I've been fortunate to play with a lot. He just he just had that special something. He had that the vision of Wayne Gretzky, you know, where he could see the open ice and Doug could see the field better than anyone. But, you know, along with just the natural ability, he worked his tail off. Like he was in no meeting rooms from, you know, morning till night and that he became a student of the game. And, you know, he'll tell you that his success really came about getting to know everything he possibly could to the point where he could call his own plays, go up to the line of scrimmage and then almost be like a conductor and the, and the rest of the team was the orchestra. Right. And, and I've all, I've often thought, not so much in Hamilton because I think he was surrounded by June Jones and some other good quality coaches, but um, that maybe a guy like Doug would be a great person to bring in to help Johnny to learn that side of the game. I don't think he's got to teach him anything about the athleticism part, but certainly from a, you know, how do you get prepared? What do you need to know about the nuances? How do you become, you know, the best professional uh, you can become? And and you got to remember, Johnny Manziel, I think, hasn't even turned 26 yet. So there's, uh, by the time Doug Flutie came and started doing his magic, he had a, a tough run in BC to start. And he was a little bit older by the time he came to uh, Toronto and I had a chance to play with him. But by that time, he was well-versed in the Canadian game and he was just special. I'm glad you brought that up about calling his own plays and being a conductor. Uh, Mookie Mitchell, who I'm, I'm sure you know. Oh, uh, God, yeah. yeah my was, buddy. <laughs> <laughs> was an Argo and then, and then yeah, was an Eskimo and, and won a great cup with both teams and made a lot of huge plays with both teams. We, we have him on the show a couple of times a year. 
And and you know how you know drawing up plays in the huddle. We always say, well, that never actually happens. But Mookie said no. Like Doug would get down and draw plays. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It is true. And they worked. Yeah, <laughs> and they and they usually worked. Uh, I mean, you mentioned Manziel's age, and for a quarterback, not even twenty six, relatively young, and, and how how Flutie came along. Uh, you know, I know you. I know you played receiver. But when you look back on your career, I'm going to put it to to this one, and I'm not suggesting that you were out there running around confused in your first few years in the league because I know you weren't. But when did it start to click mentally for you as a pro, where you could go out there and you you were just better at picking up what the other team was doing? I mean, you just saw all those subtle clues. Was there a point where you thought, like, okay, I'm starting to figure this out a little bit? Yeah, I, I mean, I like to think it was earlier than what it really was. But truthfully, <laughs> when, I, when I go back, I, it probably when I turned 30, honestly, like, you know, six, seven years into it, I really believe that the game slowed down so much for me from a mental perspective that I could recognize stuff, you know, pre-snap, during the snap, post-snap. I knew it was coming. I, I was into the film room. I played with some amazing quarterbacks. The game slows down. And even though at that point maybe I wasn't as quick as I was, if I ever was, you know, but when I was younger, you make up for it in the mental ability to just to, just to do things the right way. Mike, and, and I'm, we're going to go deep into what you're doing with the Canadian Elite Basketball League, too. I want to get to that, but I, I love uh, getting your, your thoughts on the current CFL and some memories from your career. Uh, this year's Eskimos team, uh, you know, pretty good. Uh, I think, uh, you know, of the three losses, um, you know, two were, were really frustrating, and certainly that game in BC, the second half, they got wiped out. And, and the penalties have added up. Jason Moss does a show every Monday night on our station. He, he took a lot on himself. He says we've had bad penalties since we've been here i gotta start changing some teams i'm sure as a player you're on some teams where there weren't a lot of penalties and then other weeks or, or maybe you had bad years where it's like why are we taking so many flags you know from your ex-player's perspective where does that come from where does the discipline have to come from and what are some of the penalties um you know that, that can really be eliminated if a team buckles down well, you know, penalties are, uh, it can be things that are overlooked, you know, after the game in, in a victory and they can be, you know, uh, exasperated with a, with a loss, right? So I think they always occur. Um, but it's those penalties that take place at the most inopportune time. So I think players, when they start to lose focus, when they start to get tired, when, you know, it's late in the game or even uh, sometime, you know, throughout the beginning of the game, they don't, necessarily grasp the extent of how a, a penalty can really uh, create a, a damper on you know the remainder of the game the remainder of the play what whatever you know may occur at that particular time because it's it's utterly important that uh, and with the three downs and with the, the quickness of this game and the, the short you know the, the short clock and uh, you know the 20 second clock and everything that goes on everything's you know multiplied. Uh, and magnified these little mistakes because, you know, field position is so critical and, and, and time of possession is so critical, but you can give those up in a heartbeat just by doing a simple offside procedure. And the worst, of course, are the ones where, you know, the late hits or unnecessary yeah. roughnesses uh, that, that happen kind of, you know, post-play. 
So, you know, some things you can't control, uh, you know, playing full out and things happen. It's the mental mistakes. And, and boy, coaches harp on it. I, I've had many of those mental lapses myself, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I wish I had a simple answer for how to do it. It's it's recognizing the bigger picture, I think, is the best way to do it. Yeah. Mike Morreale joining us on Inside Sports tonight at 6.45. Uh, former CFL receiver with Hamilton and uh, Toronto, won a couple of great cups. And now he's... Uh, Diving in here as CEO of the Canadian Elite Basketball League, set to start up in the spring, and uh, you've heard us talk about it on the show before. The Edmonton team is the Edmonton Stingers, going to be coached by Greg Francis, who uh, played for the national team, used to coach the U of A Golden Bears. Mike, uh, it's it's always interesting to me when a league like this uh, is is trying to get going. I'm I'm sure you recognize the challenges, and, and look, I'm going to be I got to be honest here. I'm sure you recognize some of the skepticism that that comes along with it uh, as well. Give, tell me a little bit about the you know the model for the CEBL, and uh, kind of let the fans know why this is something that that can stick around in a realm where some of these leagues haven't lasted too long. Yeah, so, I mean, whenever you try to get into a, an endeavor like this, which is massive, by the way, um, you know, you really have to look at kind of not only your business plan, but what happened to the, the teams uh, that came before you or the leagues that came before you. And, you know, it, this has been a couple of years in the making to get to where we are now. We still have about nine months to go until tip-off. We did a lot of homework as it related to, okay, what's the state of Canadian basketball? Uh, why is it important? Why are players not staying here? Why have the leagues that have come they've come and gone why are the ones that have stuck around what why have they stuck around and how and and you come to kind of realizations about okay not only basketball specific but other sports why are they successful how do you you know how do you take what's already <laughs> proven and you kind of steal it because truthfully why trying to reinvent the wheel if you don't have to so we looked uh, you know at our 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 model of ownership to begin with because that's the stuff you can control easily and we decided to go with a single entity ownership. So we have a corporate structure that uh, owns the league that also owns all inaugural six teams to start. And it was done so uh, on, on purpose so we can fully fund the league, fully fund the teams, uh, control all the messaging, control the, the branding, the advertising, the sponsorships, the, the marketing, the ticketing, um, you know, the player contracts, the, the apparel, you name it. Um, with the hopes of laying the, the foundation and groundwork so that, you know, later this year into 2019 into 2020, when we add new franchises and, and external ownership, that we can hand over the blueprint for success. And I know that's a real condensed version of it, but truthfully, um, if you kind of uh, have a really strong uh, league office, you hire a lot of good people, which I was able to do, and we still do on a on a regular basis at our at our team levels. Then you know you have the recipe for success. Now you just have to implement that plan and stick to it. And that that is really kind of how we began, uh, how we are continuing to develop, and how we plan to go into the future. How, how are you looking at stocking the the rosters for these teams? Like, is it going to be? like the CFL where it has to be half Canadian or maybe even more so because I see this as it could be uh, an opportunity for some really good youth sports athletes who aren't going to go to the NBA. Maybe they can stay at home instead of going to play in Japan or Germany or wherever. Yeah, the youth sports uh, is definitely a, a avenue that we are uh, pursuing in terms of talent. Uh, we will work with youth sports on a, on a draft and a combine that will happen in 2019. 
Uh, you know, there's hundreds and hundreds of players that use sports now. There's uh, over 100 NCAA players, Canadians that have gone to the NCAA. There's 160 plus players playing international basketball, um, the Canadians uh, all overseas. And then there's, you know, now 14 uh, Canadians in the NBA. So we're at a tipping point here for Canada basketball. It's, it's a very recognizable country to produce top talent. So we need to keep these guys around here. We need to give them an avenue to play at home in front of their fans, in front of their family, uh, in their communities at a high level in great venues, getting paid properly uh, and representing not only, you know, the country, but the communities that they either, you know, grew up in or lived in or, or went to school in or, you know, or have a chance to play professional. And so that's a big mandate of us. And it is to help grow the next level of Canadian players as well. The, you know, the players that want to aspire to something and now don't have to leave home to do it. The the teams the the six teams that are set to launch in in the spring of 2019 are located in Edmonton, Abbotsford, Saskatoon, and then Guelph, Hamilton, and St. Catharines. They're they're bunched up in southern Ontario, a little bit more spread out in the west, and and obviously you know they're they're from well not quite to the Maritimes, but you know spanning quite a bit of the country. How are we looking at managing this schedule and travel wise, Mike? Yeah, funny you said that. We just got our first draft of our schedule today, uh, which we uh, have just a couple minor tweaks. I, I think we have, uh, we've got something already that we can work with. We are fortunate. We, we chose the spring-summer for a reason because of availability of dates and venues. More importantly, it's a downtime in international basketball, so we want to attract back a lot of Canadians, want to attract uh, international players from all over to come to Canada to play in Canada. Um, you know, so that's important, but, um, we've decided and, you know, there is no divisions. This is one league that's going to travel from coast to coast and we're going to pay for it because I think in fairness to the fans in each community, they don't want to see the same local team six to eight times a year. I just don't think that's how you properly run the league. So we're going to invest in it. We've already put in our budgets. Uh, it's there. We know the cost of travel is not insignificant. But at the same time, I come from a football background. I, to me, it's like, oh, man, this is like one-tenth or, you know, right. one-fifteenth the cost. This is cheap, okay. uh, you know, relatively speaking. <laughs> but it's a necessary evil to be able to showcase our, our brand across the country. And as we grow, and the hope is to grow to 12 max, um, you know, teams across the country in, in, in the top 50 municipalities, um, then we will think about the divisions then. But for now, we're going to play and we're going to fly and we're going to bus if need be uh, across the country to get it done. But so is it, is it, and I know it's a draft of the schedule, so you probably don't want to reveal it tonight necessarily, but though I'd love it if you did. Uh, <laughs> is this a situation, though, if, if Edmonton's going out east, they're going to play all three teams? Or will there no, be like no. double headers where Hamilton might be in Edmonton on a Friday and a Sunday? Or what do you think? No, we're going to, we're going to do as balanced of a, of a, of a schedule as possible with every team president has put forward dates that work within the venue. Um, those dates have all been ranked in order and then sent to uh, the, the person that, that creates our schedule. And then that schedule is created. So, you know, it, it's the first drafts are never perfect. So, uh, but I'd like to think that, uh, you know, we're well on our way to creating a, a great, uh, uh, you know, schedule for not only the fans, but for the players. So we have to be cognizant of travel. Uh, but at the same time, we 
there aren't a lot of times we're going to do the old Eastern or Western road trip. We really want to have a lot of parity and a lot of games evenly matched games, and meaning you know East versus West uh, throughout the year rather than kind of all at once. Okay. So uh, yeah, it's we'll see. We'll reveal it soon. I mean, we're going to keep working on it, but uh, it's going to be it's going to be travel and it's going to be fun and it's going to be everybody gets a shot to see everybody. Well, Mike, this is exciting, and I really hope it works, and I hope it gets to, it showcases Canadian players, you know, helps develop Canadian players, and it's cool that Edmonton's getting a team right off the bat with the Edmonton Stingers. We'll have to do this again. All the best with the CEBL. We'll have to keep you updated on that. Love your perspective on some of the football stuff we talked about as well, Mike. Really appreciate you making time for us. Oh, my pleasure, Reed. Have a great day. That is great stuff for Mike Morreale. He is the CEO of the Canadian Elite Basketball League. Uh, you can just give that a Google, C-E-B-L, if you want to find out more, cebl.ca online. And, of course, our team is the Edmonton Stingers. Inside Sports on 630 Chat. Eskimo is able to practice outside today. Remember, they moved indoors yesterday because of all the smoke. Quarterback Mike Riley says it was great to be back outdoors, but he still noticed smoke in the air. But he also knows the Eskimos are just a small part of this story. I, I love practicing on a full-size football field for sure. It was good to be outside. Um, you know, you get used to it a little bit once you're out here, and it hasn't been that bad today. Yesterday was, I woke up and it was, looked like it was like a post-apocalyptic movie. I wasn't really sure what was going on, but um, yeah, I mean, it, we can't really complain. We're dealing with smoke. We're not dealing with the fires. So, you know, hopefully that doesn't end up coming our way, but, uh, you know, it, it's just a reminder of how how big that those fires are, how many of them that there are. I mean, I heard something, there was like 600 of them going on in BC or something like that. So that's craziness. You know, like I say, dealing with a little bit of smoke is what it is, but I just hope that all the people over there, you know, stay safe. And and there's a lot of people that are going to lose a lot of stuff. So, you know, you just hope that uh, the impact isn't as great as it probably will be. Quarterback Mike Riley getting ready for the Alouettes on Saturday night. Former Eskimo Randy Spencer coming up. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.